You're listening to Work Tape, episode 45. Welcome everyone to the Work Tape Podcast, episode 45. Your host, Isaac Grover. And a little bit of a surprise today. Jeff could not make it because his schedule is aggressively inconsistent. And that's not his fault, but he just could not make it today. It's going to have to be another time. So we'll have to bring on our instruments or guitars for another episode. We're super sorry about that. But in other news, Mitch is back in town. Mitch, over to you. I'm doing great, man. It's been a long minute since I've been back in this podcast. I've just been very busy with mostly just finishing up my schooling. Um, got the uh, degree in music business. Um, as a matter of fact, it just came in the mail merely just a few days ago. So that paired with also getting the dreaded vid, I got hit with COVID um, not too long afterwards. And so that was kind of something that took me out of commission for a little while, but I'm, I'm really happy to be back and really happy to be in this podcasting space. So Yeah, you have been sorely missed quite a bit. I mean, I've gotten a lot of people talk about how much they like your presence. So, all right, man. I I mean, I do, I do my best, man, but it's just, it's all natural, baby. So, all natural. So, you got COVID as well, because I did way back, but how recent was this? Um, This is about like about actually about a solid month ago, man. Um, About a solid month ago. And I think I had had it too previous to everything, but. Of course, with the variants and all that, I think it was the variant that got me. So I think it kind of had to be just because I was up to date on my vaccinations and all of my, you know, medic medications and whatnot. But um, it just kind of happened to break through the cracks, so to speak. But something that's really exciting that can be positive is that I have some more music coming out. For those who may not know, uh, I'm an original artist and uh, put out an album last year, actually. Put out a pretty uh, solid album of works, Mysterious Wonders. Um, if you haven't listened to that, please go ahead and give it a listen. I've been to a couple of your releases already, I think. Yeah, but I have some new music coming up around the corner. Um, a track that you actually got to hear, Isaac, as a special preview, which is Brighter Days. Um, this is a track that I'm really, really excited about. It's a little bit outside of my comfort zone, so to speak. It's not exactly in the comfort zone, but it was something that was a little more twangy, had a little more of like an Americana kind of feel, but I'm really excited for it just because I think it's going to be something that will hopefully catch on, especially in these kind of times and give people maybe a, a little bit of, I don't know, an assurance or maybe a little bit of some optimism in um, these times, especially with you know high gas prices and the threat of war and all that. You know, the idea of brighter days being on the horizon is is something that I think is is really poignant right about now. That one had a really bright and uppity feel. And that was my the most recent release that I was at of yours, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. That was really cool, dude. Yes, yes. I remember, as a matter of fact, I think I gave you even earlier access, like even as I was developing the song, I remember um, sending over like a basically the equivalent of like a voice note of just the guitar and the vocal, like before we had any other production on it, I remember just giving you the vocal and guitar and was like, you know, it is this tight. Like, should I go ahead and like, you know, make this a song? And you're like, yeah, dude, you know, it sounds like the, you know, singer songwriters of the seventies, go ahead and do it. And I'm like, all right, tight. Then that's kind of the direction that we kind of need to go in. 
So you're able to nail that sound. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it kind of starts with the guitar and the fact that it was on the acoustic guitar kind of made that really easy. And the fact that it was your little, uh, your baby Taylor, your mahogany Taylor, or is it Koa? Yeah. Uh, it's it's mahogany actually that's that's very good <laughs> that's very good that you i think did i tell you that it was mahogany or did you just know from the different types types of woods i'm a tailor and tonewood nerd so gotcha <laughs> okay yeah no mahogany no but it's it, it's a good question to ask because mahogany and koa both have those kind of darker looks and richer sounds as a result I want to say the koa wood usually is actually a little bit brighter of a sound, though. It has more uh, overtone quality or character than mahogany does, but mahogany is great for just up close and personal yeah. miking or songwriting. Yeah, mahogany, you have a really rich tone. The reason I, I went with the mahogany GS Mini over... Actually, the koa one wasn't available at the time that I got it. Hey, I think mahogany is for the Motown and soul people, in my opinion. It's perfect for those guys. Yeah. And I mean, a big reason of why I got it was because it actually kind of, to me, resembles more of what I might get out of like a Martin Mm. too. And the fact that Martins are always a a little bit darker of a tone. And I kind of wanted something that was going to be that same level of of richness. And that's the thing that's really interesting is Taylor's are kind of not brightness. Some of them are very bright, actually, like the spruce models and whatnot are, are very kind of bright, which kind of really pop through. But the thing that's really interesting is like Taylor's, the way that they produce the guitars, like you have a Taylor from 10 years ago and it sounds like basically the same. Like there's not really a lot of change that happens when you have it over the course of years. But a Martin actually gets better with time. Hence why so many people desire those Martins from like, you know, the 60s or whatever, because it is kind of like it's an aging process with the wood, I guess. So it's it's a really interesting kind of process for that. But, you know, with those Martin D18s and D28s and uh, I think there's a OOO, the triple O and M, the mahogany ones. So they're different. Martins are great. I think Martins are fantastic. In fact, I love Martins, hence Neil Young and artists of the like. Even Coldplay, you know, he uh, Chris, Chris Martin plays, plays Martin. Martin. Yeah, yeah. And and I think the company is headed by a guy named Chris Martin anyway. So it's like, yeah. Yes, it is, which is <laughs> which was probably really weird. I can imagine Chris Martin's meeting with Chris Martin of Coldplay and being like, oh, what's up, Chris? You know, like, but it's perfect. But yeah, no, I believe Chris um, is still playing. A, he's definitely playing a Mahogany Martin for sure. Um, he played Mahogany Martin, I believe, for God Put a Smile Upon Your Face. Yeah. I think for Yellow, though, for uh, their uh, first album. Yeah. Parachutes, I believe he was using your run-of-the-mill either D18 or D28, something like that. Some sort of Sitka-topped Martin. I love how we refer to the D28 or D18 as the -the run-of-the-mill. And that's, you know, like... That's like the classic. The classic Martin. (laughs) And by many standards, it's like a premium guitar, but it's like, it's a workhorse. It's it's a workhorse. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's like the SM7B you're speaking into. It's just like, it's so universally like accepted as a great piece of music making gear and tool. Like it's such a great, useful tool that everybody's just like, oh yeah, it's a standard D18, you know, standard D28. So I'll, I'll vouch for Taylor just a little bit because I feel like it's also not fair that we don't talk about Gibson, but I'm going to keep it the classic. Martin Taylor dichotomy just for this episode. Yeah. 
And when I said run-of-the-mill, I definitely meant it that they're a workhorse, but definitely not cheap. No. Not cheap at all. No. But the, the D18, the D28s are considered the standard acoustic guitar by many. Yeah. If we're talking about any guitar, I mean, sure. mahogany's great, but even the, the Sitka Spruce guitar has kind of surpassed the mahogany guitar a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I personally, though, I love Martins, and I still want one. I don't have one. The reason why I went over to Team Taylor, and it's funny because you kind of did too. Yeah, of course. The, the reason I went to Team Taylor is because, you know, would you know it? Playability. That's the number one everyone says. Mm. Their necks are fantastic. Definitely. They play like a dream. They fit on like a glove. So their playability definitely beats Martin. Now, when it comes to tone, yeah. I am used to the Martin tone, just like I think everyone else is. And so I think we tend to, oh, and I love Yamahas, but we'll do that another time. Oh, yeah. Yamahas are great. They're underrated gems, in my opinion. We could get into this. We will get into that. We'll talk about those four. But uh, with Martins, they are iconic in their sound. And I think that's why even I gravitate toward them. However, with you and I kind of, you know, we're not like, I would say old per se. We're probably more seasoned, but we're not like seasoned, you know, <laughs> like Cajun fries. We're still a little under seasoned right now. We're still in our, our earlier parts of our life. And so... You got like spice alopecia or something? Yeah, exactly. But our generation is more used to hearing Taylor coming up. You know, we, yeah. we grew up hearing... Of course, we're going to still hear Gibsons and Martins in the standard studio, but yeah. Taylors have definitely made their mark with the younger crowd. And so right. that stuck with me as a child. I listened to... I don't know if Lifehouse ever used them, but a lot of post-grunge acts, which we grew up with. It's just how it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even Paramore, you know, used Taylor acoustic guitar. So a lot of our favorite artists, or uh, Matt Kearney. Yeah, yeah. I was about ready to say like Matt Kearney, uh, Jason Mraz. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense because both Jason Mraz and Taylor guitars are San Diego based. Yes. And so anybody basically on the West Coast who is doing a lot of music definitely got partnerships, endorsement deals. I want to say Tori Kelly. Tori Kelly is definitely a Taylor artist. Even Taylor Swift is a little bit. Ah, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And well, when she was doing acoustic music anyway. Yeah. Yeah. When she was doing acoustic. Which is at this point, like three, four albums ago. (laughs) Although, to be honest with you, the folklore stuff did have some acoustic stuff on it. Yes. So to her credit, uh, she kind of brought back a little more of that acoustic Americana-ish sound. Right. Despite the fact that she did get a lot of pushback for it being an appropriation of independent bands like The National, which I guess kind of makes sense. There's a lot of influence from The National or, or Bonnie Veer and the songwriting. Oh, I love Bonnie Veer and The National. Man, I'm surprised I never even mentioned The National on here. I would have done that. I'm so glad that you did. No, The National is great, man. Um, I mean, it's it's not everybody's lane. but I, I like think- their singing because they sing like this. So nice. Yeah, but it's not for everybody. It's like an acquired taste. But I think if you really get into them, you really get into them. Like, it's not one of those things where, like, you kind of like the national. Like, you either really or you really don't. Yeah. Oh, definitely. No, you're in for a treat if you can stomach or if you appreciate the nationals music. I totally agree with you. But it is a little bit. It's not for people typically like me who have a pretty short attention span. Yeah. You have to simmer into it. 
Yeah, some of the vocals kind of remind me of like Lou Reed a little bit. Oh, totally. So, I mean, if you're in that crowd of like Lou Reed, Tom Waits, like you're going to be, you know, <laughs> you're going to be national, like growly, melancholic, male singing, basically. Like, is, but the actual national songwriting is, is, is really tight. And that's probably why Taylor Swift actually, you know, got the head songwriter, I think, of the national, which is also the front man, I believe, to write some of the music. So it makes sense. I think for our next episode, we should segue into that. I think it'd be good because um, you're going on a trip soon. And so I want to make sure we can get as many episodes with you as possible. So that's why we chose off air to do some 15 minute segments, just like we did with Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. No, just some little quick bursts are, are, are always good too. And sometimes there isn't as much of like a pressure of like we have to fill 45 minutes or an hour. Not like we have that problem. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think sometimes we have so much we can talk about that it's kind of tough to keep it within 45 to an hour. With these 15-minute bursts, it's um, we're not going to have that issue with the 15-minute bursts. Yeah. But yeah, let's get into that, man. You know, Taylor, Martin, I'd love to talk about the acoustic qualities of instruments, particular guitar. Yeah, as, as do I, man. But Mitch, thanks for coming in this episode. Why don't you take it out? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, this has been another edition of the Work Tape Podcast. Uh, once again, I am Mitchell Palmer. You got Isaac Grover. Um, this is still, you know, he's the Barry Gordy of this operation here, <laughs> uh, as always. But uh, I'm glad to be back. And uh, we got some more fire content coming your guys' way. Like I said, there's been so much that's happened in the music space since I've been on here. So we got a whole lot to talk about. And um, of course, even as the news keeps coming in, we're going to have a whole lot to discuss and cover. So once again, uh, I've been Mitchell Palmer. This is Isaac Grover, Work Tape Podcast, forever. Peace, people.